If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. Happy Iowa Caucus Monday. It's finally here, and a lot of us who don't live in caucus states are like, what the heck actually happens in a caucus race? So we figured we would go straight to the RNC to get the answer. But before we get into all of that, I want to talk to you about American financing. It's 2024, and a lot of us are trying to get our finances in order. There's some great news for homeowners. Interest rates have finally dropped, and they are now in the fives, a lot lower than where they were last year. And if you've been buried in a high-interest credit card debt, Now is the time to break free. American financing can help you access the cash in your home to pay off your high interest debt. Last year, their salary-based mortgage consultants helped customers save an average of $854 a month. That's like giving yourself a $10,000 raise, which I would love. So this is incredibly awesome. What a great way for you to start your new year. And if you start today, you may be able to delay two full mortgage payments. Call American Financing today, 866 890-9313. That's 866-890-9313. AmericanFinancing.net. NMNMLSConsumerAccess.org. APR rates in the fives start at 6.406% for well-qualified borrowers. Again, call 866-890-9313 for details about credit costs and terms. Now we are excited to bring in RNC National Spokesperson Madison Jessioto Gilbert to the podcast. Madison, thank you so much. Good to be with you, Tudor. Yeah. So as you heard, I'm super curious about tonight. Of course, all eyes are going to be on Iowa. It's going to be an interesting night because we are experiencing weather we don't normally see for an Iowa caucus. So how do, from the RNC's perspective, just to really quickly go through that, because I know as a candidate myself, everybody was worried, is it going to be cold? Is it going to rain? What's it going to be like on election day? Will this keep people home? 
Well, I think Iowans are used to the snow. I, as you know, you're from Michigan. I'm from Ohio. Uh, we've seen a bit of snow in our lives, and so I don't think it's going to keep people home. Uh, but the one thing very interesting about Iowa, and as we talk about, obviously, the difference between caucuses and primaries is, uh, as we talk about that caucus process, people in Iowa have to be there by 7 p.m. If you are not okay. there you cannot participate. Uh, so people who are worried about the snow need to leave a little bit earlier tonight to make sure they get there and can participate in the caucuses in Iowa. So you have to get in at seven. Who can do this? Is it anyone? I mean, how do you know you are allowed to be in the caucus? So this is, a, again, a very grassroots centric election process, very different than the primaries. It's one night only. It's not something that like in other states where, you know, you might have early voting. It, nothing happens before tonight. And so it's 7 p.m. tonight all across the state, all 99 counties, uh, grassroots centric, very local people uh, in Iowa. Of course, Iowans can participate and they go in and they caucus for their candidate. And then at the end, they end up deciding who they're going to pick. Uh, they're tallied and then the election is decided. So you, everybody is in one room, from what I understand, right? You all come Correct. in and then you stand in certain areas for certain candidates or what does that, how exactly does it work when you get in there? Yeah. And so people will be making pitches for the candidates and you'll see okay. even candidates making last minute appearances, uh, trying to sway voters in different places across the state. And then ultimately people will move around the room until they come up with their final decision. So if you go in there, you have a chance of t seeing the candidate that you're voting for. There's a chance. Yeah, potentially. And, and if not, there's going to be someone there representing and talking. How does that work? So they walk in and, and they first hear a, a pitch from each candidate's spokesperson, and then they move to certain areas of the room? Or how does that Come down. So there'll be there'll be um, you know a little bit of differential between the different locations, but there'll be Iowans that are there, and they'll be basically promoting their candidate. You'll hear different people talking to each other, talking amongst the entire room. Um, so it'll be very different depending on what room you're in. These are going to be held in churches and schools, and uh, you know you'll see some bigger than others. But it's definitely an exciting night, and very very different than what we see in Ohio, Michigan, and other places across the country. How do you decide the winner in this case? Just simple majority. And that's by count or? Yep, they'll count, they'll count them in each location. And does that fall on the RNC then? No, we don't, we don't do the count. Okay, so how do, that's a state, the state does that or? Correct, yes. Okay, all right, because I know in Michigan, we're looking at an interesting year this year because we have the primary that'll go through the state, but then we also will have a caucus. So we're all here going, what exactly does this mean? I know Iowa is different. What is the role of the RNC in something like this versus the state? So we're neutral when it comes to the caucuses. We obviously haven't endorsed a candidate. We've kept this fair, transparent primary process uh, very different than what we've seen the Democrats do across the country. And I think that was uh, something that was very important for us to set the mm -hmm. example of doing. Uh, we should not play or take sides in primaries in our party. That's not the party's role. So we're just getting one step closer ultimately to having our nominee. We're very excited for Iowa. We're excited for New Hampshire. We're excited for all the primaries that are to come very soon because that's going to allow us to ultimately have our nominee. And we've been working very hard to set 
uh, the groundwork to build that infrastructure so that once we do have the nominee, they can hit the ground running and be prepared to win. We're doing everything we can to make sure we get them across the finish line. When you look back to 2022, as I travel across the country and I talk to people uh, you know, that are unhappy with the 2022 result, they always ask me, what can we do different to make sure we win? Like, why did we lose? Why, why you know, did this happen? How can we win in 24? And that's what we've been working on is having the best messaging, making sure that moving forward, we can help our candidates connect with voters where they are. You can have the perfect message, but if you're not connecting with voters uh, with that message, the message is useless. So we're looking at things like that. And then, of course, our Bank Your Vote early voting initiative is going to be huge for us as a Republican Party this year. What messages do you hear out there that you see are resonating with voters right now? I think one of the things that uh, we're talking to people about that's really, I think, uh, shifting in terms of how it resonates with them is the early vote uh, conversation. I've never been a big proponent or fan of the changes in early voting that we've seen over the last decade. Uh, I personally wouldn't have had it this way. But the reality is, if we don't start playing the same game that the Democrats are playing, we will lose this November. So until each state goes and changes, and if they go and go back and change some of this back to the way it used to be, we have to be early voting or we'll lose. We've seen races like 22, for example, in many of these congressional races. I was the Ohio nominee in the 13th congressional district, the Republican nominee. And uh, it was a very heated, targeted race. But we lost that early vote. Many other races across the country were the same. Uh, if we saw the early vote won by Republicans, we could have won many of these races. And what people don't realize, this isn't just for the sake of voting early to say you voted early. It's all a numbers game. And so when you as a hardcore Republican vote on day one, in your state. We might spend $5 as a national party chasing your ballot. If you wait until the very last day, we'll spend well over $30 chasing your ballot. Well, that differential of $25 plus can go towards chasing lower propensity voters, can go towards chasing independence. People were upset. And we for lost people, the independence people who don't know, there are people who vote. When you talk about a low propensity voter, that's someone who doesn't come out every year that you can't rely on. You have your high propensity voters. You pretty much know they're going to be there. Those low propensity voters, the Democrats are great at chasing them down. And to the extent of having not only knowing that they received their absentee ballot, but having people go to their door, getting messages to their phone, making sure that they're constantly reminded. And there's an expense that goes into that. And that's something that we've talked to folks on the ground here. There are reasons that you have to be able to raise money, that you have to go out and use technology to seek people out because the rules have changed. And that's something I want to talk to you about as well, because you talked about this early voting and changes and that you don't love it. And that's something that I think a lot of folks, especially folks that are new to the political scene, are a little confused by because they're like, well, why can't we just change it? Well, the party doesn't make that choice. The RNC doesn't make that choice. And so we have to I work with Right, exactly. And, and that's where I want to make sure everyone who is out there on our side understands that these aren't things that can just change overnight as much as we'd love to because they're in state law. And once they're in state law, if you aren't playing the same game as the Democrats, you're going to be in trouble, aren't you? That's right. A hundred percent. And many people don't realize how things have changed. And that's why I continue to encourage people and have for many years to pay attention to what's going on uh, in your state. Pay attention to what's going on locally, because that's where a lot of this changes. Uh, this isn't all federal 
stuff, much of this is changed at the state level. And again, when you want it to change back the other way, it's going to have to happen at the state level. So every single state that has gone further and further towards, uh, you know, ballot harvesting, early voting, uh, expanded absentee, et cetera, that's all going to have to change in those states. And so one of the things that I think is really important when you talk about our Bank Your Vote initiative is that not only are we encouraging people to vote early, that we want to conserve these resources, we want to win these votes, but at the same time, we now, post the new year, have state-specific websites for every single state. And so not only can people get on and commit to voting early, but they can use the website as a resource to see what the laws are now in their state. I mean, I do this every single day and I'm telling you, I'm learning stuff new like every week because things have changed so rapidly. And so people can go on there, they can see, is ballot harvesting legal in my state or not? What's the first day I can request an absentee ballot if that applies to me? Uh, what's the first day of early voting in my state? You know, what's the voter registration deadlines? All of these important deadlines and dates will be on their state specific websites. And so I encourage everybody to visit that. And then of course, encourage you to vote early on the very first day possible in your state. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. So what is that website? Because I know Michigan changed last year and everybody in Michigan is going, what exactly did it mean when this this proposal went through where what do we stand where do we stand on elections right now but i know it really like you said in the last 10 years many states have changed exactly what their their voting rules are and i want to say this is something we've talked about a lot on this podcast is that you've seen 
well, you might not have been paying attention, but pay attention now because we have seen those Soros funded secretaries of state get installed in office. The Democrats are changing the way elections are run. And the sad thing is they are legally changing this. So it is it is in law, state law now that you have to do you have to run an election this way. And then those folks are running for higher office. So you look at the Katie, the Katie Hobbs of the world who are now governor. You look at Jocelyn Benson in the state of Michigan. She was uh, one of these Soros funded secretaries of state who will now be she's already announced she's going to be running for governor in the state of Michigan. So we're all going, what exactly did they do? Because a lot of this stuff kind of sneaked into our our constitutions and we don't really know what it is. So what is the website that folks should go to? Yeah, people can go to bankyourvote.com. And then again, there are state-specific websites. So for example, like bankyourvote.ny.com uh, for New York and, and obviously every other state would have the same. Okay, awesome. Good to know. That's what, that is definitely what we need to be doing. So I want to talk a little bit about election integrity, because we had in 22, we had a gentleman from the RNC on the ground here, and I think he was educating a lot of us on things that we didn't know, because he talked about the role of the RNC, which is, I think, different than what some people think it is. And he also said that there had been a legal agreement through a lawsuit from years ago that the RNC really wouldn't get into the nitty gritty of elections. And that has now changed. So the RNC has a lot more control over making sure that elections are run legally and safe and that we are making sure that votes are being counted correctly. Can you explain that a little bit to our listeners? Sure. So we recognize that we can't encourage you to bank your vote if you don't feel that your vote is protected. And so following what we've seen in previous election cycles and in very recent history, we opened an entire new department at the RNC, uh, the Election Integrity Department. We're staffing up across the country in some of those most important states. We're going to have 15 full-time election integrity directors. We're currently involved in 72 lawsuits uh, in regards to election integrity across the country, some of those in conjunction with the Trump campaign, some not. And then, of course, on top of that, there's many things we're doing on an election integrity front that people don't see, the behind-the-scenes work, uh, working in the states to make sure that we see those voter rolls purged. I mean, you have states in, across the country in which we have dead people on the rolls for many years, not acceptable. So we're working on that public and private pressure campaigns to make sure uh, things are getting done. And again, not all of that is always covered the way the lawsuits are. Uh, but one of the most prominent things right now that people are seeing and hearing is about that case that came out of Colorado originally when we saw the same thing happen in Maine, uh, immediately following that decision for them to take President Trump off the ballot in Colorado. The campaign, the President Trump's campaign filed an appeal to the United States Supreme Court. We got on board right away. We filed an amicus brief. We set funds aside to make sure we could be a part of this uh, fighting for election integrity. Just as much as we don't want to see this happen to President Trump, I don't want to see this happen to any candidate ever again, uh, whether that be a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, it's simply wrong. What's wrong is wrong. And it was a misinterpretation of that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. So Supreme Court swiftly took this up. I would be disappointed if we see anything but a 9-0 decision coming out in our favor on that. But that will happen quickly and we'll be watching for that. You are very nice when you say it was a misinterpretation, because I think a lot of us feel like it was a very nefarious act. And this is this is what these are the games that they're playing. And that is why I think it's important for people to understand. That's why organizations like the RNC are so important, because if we were left on our own, 
how can we have the power of the RNC? But I think there is a question because the RNC has gotten a lot of criticism in the last couple of years. I mean, we've all seen it. The grassroots are very upset. This is something also that I think from my own experience, I know you ran for office. I ran for governor in the state of Michigan. People would come to me and they still to this day come to me and they're like, the RNC didn't help you at all. And I'm like, well, that's actually not their role. They don't come into state races. They're uh, they're federal. So explain the difference there so people really understand the RNC, state parties, how this all breaks down. Yeah, so the RNC is a federal uh, organization. So we work on the presidential, we work on congressional races, we work on Senate races. Uh, and the one thing that I tell people, and I was a gra- I am a grassroots person, but I got my start in grassroots politics over 10 years ago in the state of Ohio. I've knocked the doors. I've made the phone calls for other candidates for years. Um, and so I'm very in tune with grassroots activism and what's going on, not only in my state of Ohio, but across the country. And to be honest, I remember thinking and parroting some of those things that people still say today about uh, the RNC. But I had my experience of running for office. And let me tell you that when so many people I expected to show up for me did not, the RNC did. I mean, it's part mm-hmm. of the reason I'm on board with them, you know, in this capacity today, because I'm uh, in Ohio, we look at the congressional races during my cycle in the 2022 midterms. And I had the most robust grassroots program of any congressional race in the entire state. And the reason I was able to do that is because of the partnership of the RNC. And so I'm forever grateful for that. Obviously, the race did not turn out the way that we had hoped. But, uh, you know, some of that being beyond our control. Obviously, looking back, early vote, um, abortion, so many things that hit us unexpectedly in that race. But when it comes to grassroots, I was very proud of what we were able to accomplish, the doors we knocked, the phone calls we made, um, and the difference ultimately that would have made and, and did make in, in you know where we ended up. And so I am very grateful for the work that the RNC does. I know that as um, you know, an organization, we're very committed to grassroots activism. And also, I think what I am very proud of is coming out of 22, I came on to the advisory committee right away before I was officially with the RNC. So it's myself, Kellyanne Conway, Tony Perkins, so many people that I really respect that looked at the results and said, you know, how can we improve? And the chairwoman and many other people working at the RNC were very open ears and ready to improve, making sure that we all have that same goal in mind, which is to win. Uh, Nothing matters if we don't win. And so going into 2024, we want to make sure we win, which is why They have the election integrity department, which is why we're doing the Bank Your Vote initiative, which is why we have a brand new candidate handbook coming out of our committee to best equip our candidates to succeed in 24, which is why we're working on messaging and helping our campaigns and candidates, you know, with their messaging on some of the issues that are most difficult for them. Now, don't get me wrong. We respect diversity within the party. We want every candidate to stand, you know, whatever their position is on the issue, but we still want to help them fine tune that messaging and give them the best tools to succeed because I think that is part of our responsibility as a national party. So let's pick apart Virginia a little bit, because I know after Virginia, there were a lot of criticisms of the RNC. And I feel like uh, there was not a great message coming out saying, hey, wait a minute, these are state races. I know there were some and it's hard to get that message out because you can only get the message out that the media will let you get out. And and oftentimes there are people who walk away from that and they haven't heard this. And I feel like we have an opportunity to talk to a lot of voters right now who are very tuned in. So I know uh, Rana came out and she was like, hey, you guys have to understand these are state races and we're federal. And there were people that were saying, well, you still have influence in the state. So explain a little bit about 
why that was something that had to happen on the state level? And is there anything on the state level that the RNC can do? Or or is this like one of those times where people are walking away with a bad taste in their mouth, but maybe not fully understanding how the system works? Yeah, I think there is a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of people that don't understand. I mean, I remember getting involved in, you know, in all of this 12 years ago and being so astounded by the fact that so many young people at the time when I was in college at Ohio State or in law school shortly later, uh, you know, would complain about this and that, but then they would go vote for the same people, right, that were causing right. the problems. And so I think you're seeing some of that mimicked, you know, especially on social media when you see people complaining online about things that really, if you knew the inner workings, wouldn't make sense. But uh, when you look at Virginia, you look at Ohio, uh, where I am right now, my home state, uh, and the referendum on abortion. Uh, that is a state thing. There is many also legal reasons on some of the referendums that the National Party doesn't get involved. But we obviously have state parties for a reason. State parties work on those state races. Now, I know for a fact that Chairwoman McDaniel was in touch with Virginia and, you know, trying to be involved there. But the one thing that even if it was a federal race that I always try to remind people is that a national party doesn't control the campaign. So we can give them the best advice and tell them everything that we would think they should do. But at the end of the day, the campaigns make the decisions on where their money gets spent. So our responsibility, again, is to build that infrastructure, to build the road that the candidates drive on to get out the vote. Uh, but the messaging and the actual individual ads coming from the campaigns come directly from the campaigns. We don't have control or anything over that. All we can do is give advice on that front. Um, abortion has been a big issue. And I think one of the things that really hurt candidates in 2022 on that issue is for so many years, Republicans and conservatives fought on the issue of abortion, fought to overturn Roe. But then when Roe was overturned, a lot of people felt that many Republicans ran under the table or got pushed into the corner. And instead of standing on the strong messaging, instead of standing on the side, which I believe we're on the side of compassion on this issue, we're on the side of life, we're on the right side of the issue. Uh, but unfortunately, we allow Democrats to define us in so many ways on that issue. And I think that's even what you saw with fundraising on the referendum in Ohio. Uh, obviously, the conservative side lost that recently. And they were out fundraised two to one and three to one in the final weeks they were outspent. So these are the things you have to be looking at. Again, resources do matter. Um, decisions from individual campaigns also do matter. And then, of course, we can't be playing everywhere and expect to win. So our focus is on those federal elections. But it doesn't mean we don't care about the state ones and don't want to see us win everywhere. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. So when it comes to fundraising, because I I think that's something key in the state of Michigan, obviously we were out fundraised by Democrats, but we're seeing that across the board. What is the message to our donors right now? Because even when I talk to people in the state of Michigan, people have been very supportive of Republicans. People have been very supportive of the Republican Party. They're like, Gosh, you know, I mean, do I want to put my money there? I don't even think we can win. And so you talk about that misinformation and that message going out. And I think that's what Democrats love. They love to see us arguing. They love to see us saying, oh, we we don't like our own organizations. And then that kind of spreads through CNN and MSNBC and even our friendly news media will say, gosh, you know, people are really torn. That scares people away and then kind of exacerbates that problem of bringing money in. But it is really, I I tell people all the time, I'm like, hey, as much as you hate the idea on the grassroots side of having to use money, the Dems are hitting us with technology. They're hitting us with ads. They are, these are things that you just have to have money. But even if you're on the grassroots side of it, you want to be able to have the information in your hands that you can hand out. You want to be able to print flyers. You want to be able to have yard signs. So how do we re-engage our donors this year and say, this race is so critical and it only happens with all of you recognizing that all of these organizations are working in tandem to make sure that we are winning. We are walking home with the W. That's right. The Democrats absolutely love to see it. Uh, There's nothing more important than unity. We need Republican unity. Um, When we saw a lot of chaos in Washington, as I traveled across the country, what I heard continually from investors in the party, as well as grassroots activists, pretty much everybody is, we want to see Republicans unite. The Democrats have done this so well, time and time again, in which they fight like cats and dogs behind closed doors. They really don't even like each other. But at the end of the day, they come out, they come out united, and they get it done. And that's what Republicans need to do better than ever before in 20 2024, we cannot allow perfection to be the enemy of good. And that's what this comes down to. If we as Republicans only agree 20% of the time, let's work on that 20% of things. Let's get across the finish line there. Uh, When it comes to what's the message to donors, uh, invest in the party, invest in these races. It is so critically important that we not only unite, but that we're funding our candidates, that we're funding our party to be able to do what needs to be done to win. We all recognize the alternative 
which is more Democrat lack of leadership in 2025, and we can't afford that. Uh, I tell people all the time, even if we do win next November and we win the White House and we win the Senate, we win the House, it's still going to take time to reverse what the Democrats have done. It's not an overnight perfect mm -hmm. solution. So the last thing we can afford is to lose and wait another four years. Uh, I don't know where our country would be at that point, and I certainly would not be happy with where it is. I know you feel the same and many others across the country feel the same. So we want to see winning in November across the board, up and down the ticket um, from local to state to federal elections. And then we want to hit the ground running in January of 25 and make sure that we get things done for the American people, because that's what really matters. We want to see people's lives get better. As Republicans, we're the party of eternal optimism. We're the party of common sense solutions. We're the party that's going to fix the problems the Democrats have caused and quite frankly, haven't cared about. It's really a shame what they've done to this country. I think that's really the most important thing to say to Republicans out there, whether you are grassroots or you've been in the party, you know, you're considered, I guess, the establishment folks, you know, whatever we're labeling people. I think the most important thing is don't get impatient. Like what you just said there is so key, because if you're watching, if you've really kind of pulled back the layers of the onion of the Democrats and looked at what they've done. They'll work for years to get their way. And it's very sneaky and it's very under the radar. I mean, you look at 2016, I think that they were like, how did we just get our butts handed to us? They really were shocked by 2016. And it's it was genuine shock. I mean, you can just watch. And the watch media the was right along with them. Yes. I, remember, I remember I was with President Trump that night and I remember seeing the faces of all of the hosts on TV as the results were coming in. And it's something I'll never forget. Yeah. Oh, 100%. They were horrified. And it was this mo moment that was kind of glorious. And I think that Republicans sat back and said, wow, look, we did this. And it was truly, I believe that 2016 was very much a grassroots effort, very much bringing in people who had gotten discouraged Absolutely. by voting and all of that. And so there was something special there. But if you look at what Democrats did since then, I mean, if I take the gubernatorial race in Michigan from 2014 to 2018, Democrats engaged 800,000 more voters. And I will have people say they made up those votes. Those voters have consistently stayed in the system. But they I can also point to they brought in organizations, they brought in new media, they brought in all kinds of things into the state of Michigan, and they did it over many different states that they said, we can infiltrate here and we can take this back because they were so freaked out by what happened in 2016. So instead of fighting, we have to, you're right, we have got to come together. At the end of the day, the majority of us, we may have different opinions on certain issues, but we want to have a Republican over a Democrat, right? Every single time. To say the least. So if you look at it from that perspective and say, they have really They've created a machine in these states that they want to win. We need to, as a party, unite, bring the machines that we already have together, take, learn from them, and go out there and win. That's right. Yeah, 100% agree with you. Uh, not even a question. We have to win. We will not win if we're not united. Uh, again, you may not absolutely love every position that every Republican holds, but I guarantee you have more similarities and more in common with the Republican candidates than you do with the Democrats right now. It's really astounding, I think, when you look back even to 2016 and someone like Bernie Sanders, how radical his positions were considered at that time. His positions have now become the mainstream. On some issues, the Democratic Party has gone farther left than where he was on some of those. So in such a short period of time, they've shifted 
so radically left. Uh, and I don't think that aligns with the majority of country. I don't think that aligns with the majority of even their voters. And so I right. think it's a prime opportunity for us as Republicans to start talking to these people who maybe have never had a conversation like that with a Republican before that have definitely never voted Republican. And maybe in the first conversation, you don't win their vote, but you plant that seed that may ultimately cause them to vote Republican in November or in the future because they don't like what they're seeing and they feel disenfranchised. They feel forgotten by their own party. Uh, some you know, groups of people voted for President Trump in 2016 for that exact reason. They felt forgotten. You saw a lot of manufacturing workers, even union mm -hmm. workers that voted for President Trump as a result of feeling like finally they had someone to listen to them. And I think as a Republican Party, uh, that's something that's happening right now. And we've even seen a shift in a lot of minority communities as a result of that as well. And I think you want people need to understand that those voters that came, I, I think there was also kind of this feeling of, oh, those are our voters now. But I think in 2018, we can be pretty sure and 2020 and 2022, we can say that those voters only come out for President Trump. But we want to make sure that they understand we're all here for them. And so this this fighting, this infighting, it's not helping to bring those folks in to get and those are really as much as they are high propensity voters for Donald Trump, we would consider them low propensity voters across the board. So how do we make sure that we are getting messaging that is making them want to come out for Republicans and making them feel like home? I think that what you said about don't let perfect be the enemy of good is is something key because we are all humans. There is no perfection in, in any of our organizations on the Democrat side or the Republican side. We got to get it. We got to be really, really good at it. And there's not always perfection on the issues either. But at the same time, you can look at what the Democrats are doing and know they're on the wrong side of history. And you can take that and you can run with it. And so when you look at the issues that matter the most to people and the things that are impacting their lives day to day, whether that be the economy, whether it be energy prices, whether it be the border, whether it be uh, the drug crisis, opioid epidemic, obviously with fentanyl coming over the border right now being a big thing. All of these things are things that I think we can be talking about in the right way to the right people um, all across the country and winning. But it's about not not only having that message, which I do believe we're on the right side of those issues, we have the policies that can make these uh, issues better to make people's lives better. We have to connect with the voters where they are. Uh, young voters is a good example of that. They're not getting their news on Fox News or CNN mm -hmm. anymore. They're online. I have a sister in her early 20s and She's on TikTok and Instagram, and that's where she gets her news, Twitter, uh, sometimes. And so these are the places we need to be to connect with the youngest voting bloc. So that type of stuff, looking at the data, making sure we're in the right places and encouraging the campaigns to be in the same places, I think is very important as well. Yeah, I think that the Stanley Cups are probably the best example of that. We're all talking about kids all buying the Stanley Cups. And my those water bottles. My husband was telling me just last night that uh, in 2019, I think their sales were 70 million. And in 2022, it was over 700 million. So that is the power of social media, folks. We've got to be in all of these places. But I, I so appreciate you being here today. Madison, Jesse Otto, Gilbert, you are the spokeswoman for the RNC. And we appreciate having you. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for joining us on the Tudor Dixon podcast for this episode and others. Go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or go to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and join us next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Have a blessed day. 
two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com slash tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com slash tutor. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.